Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is Sarah Summeray. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very excited to talk about S Club 7. That, that is good to hear. Thank you for watching this this weird 90s show for me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought I had actually seen it before, but after seeing it, I don't think I have. I think I've just got memories of it appearing on TV a lot when I was a kid. So it's one of those things where I feel like I have seen it. But yeah, I don't think I have because it is very trippy and I think I would have remembered this. Yeah, because it was on for a few years. So I think most people probably saw a little bit at some point when they were just sort of skipping through the channels or something. But yeah, when you sit down and actually watch it now, you realize the full bizarreness of it, really. It, It really is. So what is your sort of history with S Club 7? Were you a fan at all? Yeah, I I'd say I still am a fan, actually. I still like listening to a bit of S Club 7 when I'm feeling down. I was never a hardcore fan. I was more a Spice Girls girl. That's sort of the one band that I was really passionate about. But S Club 7, yeah, I don't sort of remember any specific points in my life where I was massively into them, but I've sort of, I've always liked them. Yeah, the music is very catchy. Do you have like a favorite song that you remember at all? Um, Well, in the episode that I watched, episode two, they sing. S Club Party. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Club Party? yeah that's a good one. Yeah. I think that's always been my favourite one. You can't not dance to that, can you? That's, that's always going to get you going. Yeah, yeah. So today we're talking about Miami 7 episode 2, which is called Howard's Hotel. This aired on CBBC on the 15th of April, 1999. A little bit of context for anyone who maybe didn't hear episode one. Basically, the band have gone to Miami to perform at what they've been told is a sort of top hotel. But when they arrive, they very quickly find out that it's actually a very sort of rundown hotel and they're being expected to clean and do all those sorts of duties as well as performing in the evening. So it starts with them sort of seeing their rooms for the first time, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And then they're not very impressed. They talk about how it's like living in a prison. Yeah, I think that's a bit extreme. (laughs) It's a bit extreme. They are in, uh, where are they? Miami. I mean, you know, in a a nice hotel in Miami. They're not treated very well, to be fair. But um, I wouldn't wouldn't call it a a prison. I like bunk beds. Yeah, the beds don't look that comfy. But I think Hannah says that, actually. Hannah's putting a bit of a positive spin on it. And she goes, oh, I've always wanted bunk beds. Yeah. (laughs) The performances 
aren't aren't great in that first part. The acting's pretty shocking throughout, actually. Apart from one bit where Paul falls out of his bunk bed and he screams at Bradley for fidgeting too hard. And there's like, I mean, that's an Oscar-worthy performance. He's furious, isn't he's he? He's furious, but that was the one moment that really got me. Ah! What is going on? Ah, I fell out of bed! Well, can't you fall out a bit quieter? Do you mind? I could have broken my neck. Well, haven't you learned how to sleep in a bed yet? It's Bradley! He keeps fidgeting! What are we going to do with him? Nail him to the floor? Nah, no good at carpentry. Yeah, he's like apoplectic, like, and he says we should nail him to the floor. He's yeah. so annoyed, and he could literally just sleep in the other bed because there's only three of them, and then there's four beds in the room. <laughs> You've really thought about it. I didn't think that far. <laughs> I know, I've thought about the logistics of this. How many times have you seen this episode? Uh, I've watched it a few times now, <laughs> just um, to the point where on the latest one, I was just looking at stuff in the background to pick up on. And there isn't wow. that much detail, to be honest, but I'm sure some things will come up later. They're looking around the rooms and they they keep saying it's a load of pop. They say it about three times because <laughs> that's like their version of a swear word in this universe. Of course, this is for kids. Like, like, what, what time was this shown at? 4pm? CBBC or something? Probably, yeah, after school, I would think. Yeah. But yeah, it's like the good place, but not as sort of creative with the alternative <laughs> swear words. It's just pop all the time. Yeah. A lot of sexism as well. I find uh, Rachel has a, well, you, you see her storming in, having a massive meltdown. And you're thinking, holy shit, has she, has she just found a dead body in the hotel? It is the sort of hotel where you would imagine to see a dead body. Turns out there's no mirror in the bathroom. No, she's like screaming, isn't she? Yeah. There's a weird moment there as well because she's screaming. She says, oh, there's no mirror in the bathroom. And then there's a weird kind of off-camera scream sound effect. And yes. it turns to the rest of the group and John is fainting. So I'm not sure, is that scream supposed to be John? No is it's it... just this weird stock audio of a scream. Yeah, some sort of weird sound effect just for our benefit, like it's part of the soundtrack. I've got no idea. It's really weird. I had to rewind that a few times just to be like, what is happening in these few it's seconds? Bizarre. Yeah, there's sort of, I found there's no like consistency at all within the episode. You lied. <laughs> Manor, you ain't been bit by a spider, have you? Because if you have, suck out the poison and tie up the artery. Don't forget to spit it out. No, it's worse than that. What is it, Rachel? Come on. Come on, come on. Tell us. There's no mirror in the bathroom. <laughs> There's a scene where they're all in a bedroom and I can't remember what they're talking about, but they link hands or something and they go, yay, well done us or something. And then... An, an, Electric a lightning bolt runs through them. Yeah. Like, where the hell did this special effect come from? What they're superheroes now? They all just go like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> really underplay it. <laughs> it's just all very strange. Yeah. Yeah. When they're looking around the rooms, there's some mm. kind of orchestral music in the background as well, which doesn't really seem to fit. And when I watched it the other day, I thought that maybe I had some music playing in another tab of my computer or something, but I paused it and it is just in the episode. It doesn't really fit at all. Oh, so was that... I, I did notice that there was some music playing in the background, but I just assumed that that was their own music and then there was just some sort of... Um, they were just sort of like trying to influence us, you know, trying to stick their music in our heads without realising it. It was more like sort of classical music, so I'm not really sure what they were thinking there. It didn't really seem to... Fit the tone. I think they were all just tripping. 
statement. This was, this was written by Kim Fuller. So I found that there were a lot of similarities with uh, Spice World, especially mm-hmm. like there's the scene where in this episode where the S Club 7 are all lined up like they're in the army and they're told off by the head of the hotel, which is pretty much exactly like a scene in Spice World. So I Googled it and found out that it is the same writer as Spice World. It's just recycling his material. It is, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that from Spice World. But yeah, the tone of the whole thing is quite similar, isn't it? You can tell it's the same writer. Yeah. There's another bit when they're in the rooms and this is the bit where Rachel runs in screaming and Joe, because she's some sort of like Jason Statham character in this, she goes, you ain't been bitten by a spider, have you? Because if you have, suck out the poison and tie up the artery. I mean, Joe is terrifying, to be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. I've always had a bad feeling about her, if I'm honest. She's always terrified me a little bit. So everyone goes to sleep and in the boys' room, there's more weird stuff going on. Bradley's sort of tossing and turning around and Paul's sleeping in the top bunk. So the bed is shaking, but it's shaking at like a completely different speed from how Bradley's moving around. And actually, I thought someone was having a wank. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. Or it looks like maybe it's some sort of horror film where the bed is haunted and the ghost is like shaking the bed because it's furious. Yeah, I had no idea where that was going. I know. Yeah, that's... And that's the bit where Paul falls out of the bed and is really furious. Then in the morning, they get woken up because uh, the two guys who run the hotel are playing a trumpet deliberately to wake them up. And Joe's like, what's that? And Tina goes, I don't know, but it could definitely use a bass line. A line which then she repeats about a minute later. Which makes yeah. me think the writing really, really is weak. At that point, I was thinking, come on, Kim, you're not even trying now. Yeah, it's like, maybe they didn't hear it the first time. Let's <laughs> get her to say it a few seconds later. She says it in quite a sassy way, though. I think Tina's putting some effort in. I like Tina. I think she was always underrated. Who was the favourite? Um, what's the name? Uh, Rachel. Rachel was always the favourite one, right? I hate Rachel because my boyfriend loved Rachel. Um, but I, I think I mostly think, boys liked Rachel, I think. Yeah, she was really popular. I think Tina was definitely like the hottest, personally, I think. I think Tina was my favourite. I think it was because watching it now, she seems like she's the sensible one. And I think that might be why she was my favourite, which is a bit weird when I was a child. But I think that appealed to me at the time. Mm, she wasn't really a tryhard and I like that about her. Mm-hmm. So Howard explains that they all have to work really hard because he says uh, singing isn't working. I quite like this little joke here where he says everything here is run with military precision. And then as he says that, a guy behind him carrying a a tray just falls into the pool. I quite like that. Classic slapstick humour. Love a bit of that. Kim Fuller's best work (laughs) in this episode. It was all so simple in the 90s, wasn't it? Howard is quite impressed with Rachel as we were just saying, boys quite like Rachel. He likes her because she says, permission to speak, sir, and as a kind of salute. Again, huge amounts of sexism, yet again. Yeah, he calls her um, long-haired kid. What a what an unoriginal nickname. Of all the things he could have thought of. Because she's not the only one with long hair, for a start. Exactly. Not even that but long. This comes up in later episodes as well. I think he has a nickname for all of them at one point, and they're all similarly vague. Incredible. And I'm not sure if that's part of a joke or if it is just because they're not that distinguishable from each other. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why she's long haired, kid, when Hannah and Joe have quite long hair too, but there you go. Just lazy writing, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. 
probably. And maybe I'm putting too much thought into this. <laughs> uh, like they that. start doing all their chores then. Joe and Paul are painting a wall and they're saying, oh, you know, we shouldn't be treated like this. Paul says, well, he said it was in the contract, but I haven't seen the contract. And Joe says, yeah, nor have I. And they actually had the contracts in episode one. So I'm not sure whether what? it's the joke is that they're being ignorant or if the writer just forgot that they had seen the contract in episode one. I'm, I'm going to sure. go with the writer forgot if we're sort of, it, I mean, if we think of all the other things that we've discussed about this episode and how inconsistent they are. I'm going to say he forgot. In any case, it's the band's fault, really, because, yeah, in episode one, they were presented with these chunky contracts and they were like, oh, this is too big. I'm not going to bother with that. And now they're complaining that they didn't see the contract like it was someone else's fault and it was their own fault completely. I can't imagine that any kids watching at the time would have picked up on that. Yeah, I mean, they're not designed for binge watching, are they? They were a week apart and (laughs) yeah, kids probably would have forgotten. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's binge watched this. Anyone who's not on drugs. Uh, Joe says, oh, how's this going to help our careers? And Paul says, well, if we don't make it as singers, we can always become a singing cleaning service. And then Joe says, isn't that how Duran Duran ended up? Right. So like, what did Duran Duran do to deserve that? (laughs) I know it's It's a a bit bit harsh. Unnecessarily harsh, isn't it? Where's that come from? It's a bit rich as well because they're a, they're a brand new band and they're already taking on Duran Duran. Maybe there's some sort of secret battle between them that we don't know about. That's going on at Maybe they're going to come up in other episodes as well. Like they've got some long running feud with Duran Duran. Oh, that'll be interesting to look into. That'll be worth another John, podcast. Yeah, <laughs> a side episode. Yeah, the battle between S Club Seven and Duran Duran. Wow. John and Rachel are cleaning bugs out of the pool and Rachel's being all sort of squeamish. And John, for some reason, tells her to imagine that she's saving kids from drowning. And it weirdly works. What a moment. I shed a little tear. (laughs) Yeah, she starts getting tearful. She's like, don't worry, guys, I'm coming. Yeah, he creates this whole story around it. Imagine the little bugs have gone out for the day and their parents are sat at home wondering where they are and they've fallen into the pool. You've got to save them. I mean, I, I I feel bad for getting so involved in that scene, but I yeah, did. because it ends with a really sort of bleak shot of just the net bringing in the bugs and they just look dead. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. Oh, I can't do this. I hate creepy crawlers. You shouldn't hate them. They haven't done anything to you. Well, I mean, I don't know why they can't swim to the side. They've all got at least six legs. They should be able to tread water. Look, just imagine that all these little insects have gone out for a morning walk and they've fallen into the pool. And at home, the mums and dads are there, waiting for them to come back. And there they are, drowning. And only you can save them. You're right. Don't worry. I'm coming. Is that a real hotel, do you know? I'm not sure. It probably must be. I I don't think they would have had the money to build a set like that, I can imagine. Although I think I did read somewhere that the scenes where they're in the actual rooms where it's just the band. I think they were filmed in the UK first, like before they went to America. Right. But the stuff where they're actually outside by the pool, I'm guessing that is just a hotel. Hmm. I wouldn't mind visiting that. I'm just sort of reproducing a few scenes by myself. We can do a fan trip. Yeah. 
I'm up for that. Yeah, there's like a, a Gavin and Stacey guided tour in Barry. We can do a, a Miami oh, tour for Miami 7. That would be amazing. <laughs> because Tina is trying to be the grown-up, she decides she wants to call their manager. And at the moment she calls him, there's a magician in the manager's office. Now this really threw me off. Yeah, <laughs> just when she's calling, the magician makes the phone disappear. So Tina doesn't get through. Yeah, it's quite a, a long way around to the fact that Tina doesn't get through to the manager. It's because a magician has made the phone disappear. It's so bizarre. I, I don't know if there's something, well, if something occurs in the first episode that I don't know of. I assumed that he is introduced in the first episode as a specific character, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did just appear out of the blue in episode two. <laughs> yeah, in episode one, he is trying, he basically wants that manager to be his manager. So he in episode one, he was kind of trying to impress him with different tricks and the manager wasn't very interested. So yeah, in this episode, he's back and he's still, I think at this point, he's talking to the receptionist, isn't he? So the manager, mm. I think, doesn't want to even see him anymore, even though he is he's quite good. I mean, he made a phone disappear. That's better than what S Club 7 can do. Oh, I hate to break it to you, but I'm pretty sure that was just good editing. I don't think that was real <laughs> oh, magic. no. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Although actually S Club can make a lightning bolt appear when they put their hands together. So That's that is quite point. magical. Anything can happen in Miami 7. It's a shame they didn't put that into the act. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And weirdly as well, behind the receptionist's desk, there's a poster for the Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies. So I quite like the idea that that manager was maybe involved in that film in some way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes you realise how long ago that was as well. Yeah, maybe he's like Pierce Brosnan's manager or something. I suppose Roger Moore's in the Spice Girls film, isn't he? But he's playing some sort of villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's sort of these sort of weird Bond connections. That's a lot to think about, yeah. I'm going to have to give this another watch and really <laughs> take a deep dive into it. The band are really fed up now because they have to work. And in this scene where they're in the room talking about it, there's a line which I had to listen to about 20 times the other day to actually hear what Hannah was saying. Did you get this as well? Was there a line that you just couldn't understand or was it just me? So are you talking about the very end when they're in bed chatting to each other? No, they're... Um, they're sort of all complaining about working and Bradley says, maybe we should just leave. And then Hannah says, well, I listened to this loads of times. And what I think she's saying is because he's got our passports, you hoof. <laughs> but <laughs> it, I listened to it about 10 times and I called my boyfriend in. He listened to it with me about 10 times and we eventually concluded that that's what she was saying. I'll put it a clip in this episode. Why don't you just get up and leave? Because he's got a passport to hoof. I can't remember hearing that, but I want to believe that that's what she said because that's a great thing. That's a great line. Yeah, yeah hoof. <laughs> What does that mean? I'm going to start using that. But yeah, the word passport doesn't really sound like it. I mainly got it from the context around what the others were saying. Because then mm -hmm. Rachel says something about, I hope he doesn't look at my photo. So I guess it was passport that they were talking about. How right. it's got their passport so they can't just I didn't leave. follow closely enough, but yeah. That sounds about right. They are talking about how maybe they should just confront Howard and they mm. start getting all kind of tough here. Joe says, like, oh, maybe we should put the frighteners on him, send the boys around. Joe says this again, Joe, terrifying. 
anything she says just gives me chills. Yeah, she's like a gangster in this. And they all start, start getting sort of caught up in it and saying like, he's taking on the S Club 7. He's dead meat. And weirdly it works because uh, Marvin overhears them outside and is suddenly like cowering in fear. Like he, Even though they're the least threatening people ever, he goes running to Howard and is like, oh, they've been saying all this stuff. Maybe we should lock our doors tonight. Yeah, this is when the magic happens. I think... That's what scares him the most, right? When he sees that lightning bolt, that would throw anyone off. Yeah, to be fair, that would be that would convince me that there was a bit of a threat going on. Yeah, um, like so, Howard's like the real bad guy, but Marvin, he's got a soft soft spot for the band, doesn't he? It seems because he do, he does have a yeah. little boogie to S Club at the end of the episode. Yeah, I think Howard's sort of yeah the harder one who maybe sort of comes around a bit more later in the series, but Marvin is the one trying to be more on their side. I think he's a bit sweeter. Yeah, I like him. I like Marvin. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers, and if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. After that, they're practicing for their first performance and Howard sort of barges in because he wants them to sing some old songs and he wants them specifically to sing Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree. Which I'd never heard before, but when I heard S Club 7 sing it, quite enjoyed it. Quite a nice little catchy tune. I remember this song, but I'm not sure if I'm remembering it just from watching this as a child. I don't know if I've heard it outside of the show. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It sounds like it's probably, we're probably embarrassing ourselves here because it's probably like a really classic song classic, that we don't know. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine it yeah. is. So, and Howard is demonstrating a little dance that he wants them to do and they all start copying him, uh, sort of miming, tying a ribbon and Rachel's like, oh no, I messed up. Mine yeah. got untied. I really like that. <laughs> oh, Great Rachel. Great bit of acting that was actually, yeah. Bit of confused acting. That's yeah, so good. Oh yeah, another confusing bit that comes up here, which is me thinking about this too much again, but they say to Howard, oh, well, we've got loads of our own songs. And, you know, obviously in the real world, S Club are a band that were kind of put together by Simon Fuller. So some of them were scouted, some of them got in through auditions, and then other people wrote their songs for them. So I'm just wondering, in this universe where they've got no kind of backing behind them, who's writing their songs? That's a good point. I, yeah, they haven't really thought that far. Because <laughs> they, they keep saying, oh, you know, but we've got all our own songs. And I just, I'm just wondering, like, in this universe, who's writing them? So in this universe, are they, uh, they're an aspiring band, right? They haven't... Mm-hmm. 
they clearly have aren't established in any way. They're I imagine I imagine we're supposed to believe they've written their own songs. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's like one of them is sort of the songwriter and we just haven't found out yet, or if it's like all seven of them have got together and I don't we don't see them playing any instruments though, or anything. I don't know. Like I say, I think I'm overthinking it, but I'd like to know <laughs> what the thought process is. Kim Fuller sat at home listening to this podcast thinking, shit, I, I should have thought this through. Sweating. <laughs> Didn't realise this was going to get analysed in 20 years' yeah. time. <laughs> Five, six, and seven. Eight. Yeah, that was pretty good. Relax, Mark. Now, for opening number tonight, I thought we ought to do an old favourite. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. Hold on a minute, I thought we was doing our own songs. Yeah, right, that's rich. No, but we really do have a load of our own songs. Listen, kid, I've been in show business my whole life. While most babies kick in their mommy's tummies, I tap dance. Uh, he really did. Mom said so. And I think I know what an audience wants to hear. They want to hear songs they can sing along to. So, tonight, when we sing Tie a Yellow Ribbon, I want you to do this. What are you doing? Tying a yellow ribbon. That's not tying a yellow ribbon, that's winding up a yo-yo. No, it isn't. It's reeling in a fishing line. Isn't it using one of those egg whisk things? Uh, shut up. Uh, don't get them angry, Howard. Okay, okay. Just try to do what I do, spread out. Tie a yellow ribbon round the old oak tree. It'll be three long years. Will you still... What, 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 what are you doing? My ribbon came untied. Should have used a reef knot like I did, Rachel. Then we get to the evening. Uh, it's the night of the performance. Howard and Marvin are wearing like tuxes. They've got all dressed up. And for some reason, there's lots of people at the hotel to see the show. So I'm not sure what kind of advertising they've been doing, but lots of people have turned up to see the new band in residence. And nobody under the age of 80. Yeah, it's strange because when they're singing the first song, everyone we see in the audience is quite old. But then later on when they sing... The, their own song we see a few more younger people so i'm not sure why the older people weren't enjoying the older song yeah i think it was to really make the point that s club seven had the right idea so howard thinks well this hotel's full of oldies they're going to enjoy the old song but then we see them actually not enjoying it so it's sort of makes it more exciting when they start dancing to S Club's original song, right? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Howard's quite excited because he's saying how it's just like when his dad was running the place. He says, Frank Sinatra was singing, Clark Gable and Dean Martin were having dinner, and Marilyn Monroe was throwing up in the ladies' lounge. <sighs> oh, I would love to see the prequel to Miami 7. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, because I was thinking about this and it must be, he must be talking about the 50s because Marilyn Monroe died in like 1960, 1961, something like that. So the hotel's heyday was in the 50s. I don't know what they've been doing for like 40 years, but yeah. <laughs> Again, I haven't thought this far. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, I would like to see the prequel where it's Howard's dad running the hotel and Marilyn Monroe's there. Oh, that would be incredible. Howard introduces them, doesn't he? And they don't really want to go on. We don't see why immediately because they're sort of hiding behind a curtain because they're scared of going on. Yeah, they all pop their heads one at a time through the curtain to do their little line of why they don't want to go on stage. Charming. Yeah, they're all kicking off and having a straw. Uh, ten minutes to showtime. We're not coming out. Well, 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 what do you mean you're not coming out? We don't want to do it. 
We'll look stupid. But there are people out here waiting to see you. It's your big chance. We don't care. We want to do our own songs. Look, if you don't do it, he's going to make my life miserable. What, you mean like he doesn't already? Good point. Please, just do it. Howard gets up on stage to introduce them with some killer material about the word ado. Um, and he weirdly says, I'm sure you've all heard of the Bee Gees. And the audience goes absolutely wild. Again, old people love the Bee Gees. But did they really think they were going to see the Bee Gees? Everyone's tripping in this. You know that. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, the punchline is him saying, well, my guests tonight have also heard of them. And the audience are all like, oh, he, he led us on. And now this. <laughs> this is on par with Christmas cracker jokes. It is shocking. So the band come on and they're wearing these sort of yellow trousers, grey blazers and pink shirts that have got these massive collars and the girls have got their hair in pigtails as well. Yeah, real buttonless vibe. Yeah, I don't know where these costumes will come from. I like the idea that Howard made Marvin make them or something. I wonder if these costumes are still around on eBay, possibly. Oh, I'll have to have a look. Auction them off. Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting hold of one for our little recreation in Miami that we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, maybe Marvin like snuck in their rooms at night and got their measurements and then made them up. Oh, Marvin would never do that. He's, he's a nice guy. That's creepy. <laughs> Howard would, though. He'd demand it. And I think Howard might. Oh, Howard would. Yeah, I don't even want to imagine what Howard would do. Yeah, exactly. So they sing Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree and Paul is on lead vocals, which is quite a rarity. And the audience hate it, don't they? But I kind of feel like the reaction isn't really that warranted because it's not that bad. It's not. It's a great performance. I think it's very unfair. Yeah, because I mean, they're singing it well. They're doing their little dance. I think to warrant that sort of reaction, they should have maybe made the performance a bit worse, like they were all getting the moves wrong or something. Yeah, I mean, they did look un unhappy. I'd say. Yeah, I guess. Like sort of fixed smile. And yeah, they clearly, Bradley in particular, like exactly. he did not want to be there. Yeah. But I mean, Tina and John like do the splits at one point. So that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that blew me away, actually. Yeah. But the, the audience are furious. They go off stage and Paul says, there's a guy outside trying to commit suicide with a cocktail umbrella. <laughs> I quite like that I imagine that too vividly. And it made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a riot has broken out because their performance <laughs> was so horrendous, apparently. It was great, guys. You did well. Yeah, they're all really upset. John says, well, I guess that's the end of our US career. Rachel starts kind of stripping off. And Tina says, oh, you're not going out there naked, are you? And Bradley says, well, I suppose that might get their attention. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would. It would, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. They'd all just stop. Those, I'd be worried about the elderlies out there, though. I don't know if they could survive that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And Rachel says, she kind of takes a stand, really, doesn't she? She says, we need to do things our way. Yeah. And that's when you're like, yes, come on, guys, get out there and do your thing. That's when I started stripping off. <laughs> <laughs> and dancing around to S Club Party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was buzzing. Yeah, they run back out. They're in their own clothes now. I would have liked it if they'd done this song, but just in the original outfits. Yeah. Do you know what? I say that you're, you've thought into this episode a lot, but actually when they came out in their normal cool outfits, I started thinking... How did they get changed so quickly? Where were they storing these outfits? 
unrealistic. Yeah, they've all got good hair as well when they've had their hair in these weird sort of pigtails yeah. Rachel, for a while. Exactly. Rachel had just pulled her pigtails out. You could see those indentations in her hair. They're gone two seconds later. I love as well how like within the first few seconds of this song, the audience have been completely turned around and they're like having the best time of their lives. I know. What a twist. Like one I've never seen before. Yeah, about three seconds in and they're like, yes, this is the best band I've ever seen. <laughs> well, they are. They, are, they were good. Yeah, I do like this song. This is, I haven't heard it for a while really and I forgot about that weird bit in the middle where the girls go like, ghetto boys, make some noise. And then the boys go, hoochie mama, show you nana. <laughs> okay, so I had to Google this because obviously... It sounds really wrong. Yeah. And I don't think I fully understood the interpretation of it, but it's not as bad as we think it is. I think it's some sort of ghetto term that I'm not familiar with because I'm too white. But obviously, it doesn't sound right, does it? It's weird for them as well. I feel like they can't quite pull that sort of thing off. And I think this show kind of makes it worse because they're all quite sort of awkward in it. And then suddenly when they're singing, they're all like super cool. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that has got to do with the fact that not professional actors. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Because they're all really good performers. Like when they're singing and dancing, it's like they're different people. And then when they're expected to act, you know, I just feel a little bit sorry for them because they were just sort of thrown into it, you know. That's why I'm surprised. Over, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did they make these shows before they were actually a proper pop band? They did, yeah. The This first series aired and then they released their first like single and album after the TV show had finished. And, well, not the whole show, but like Miami 7. Then they really started releasing music afterwards. So it, that was kind of part of the plan from the beginning. Like, we're going to launch this band with a TV series. Sort of a reversed way of doing it, of how you'd usually do it. Yeah, because, um, yeah, like with the Spice Girls, you know, they got the film because they were massive already. Um, yeah. yeah, it is a weird way of doing it. I'm not sure. I would like to know more about the thought process, but I mean, it did work. It did work. Huge. And th- uh, this show had, what, 90 million viewers? Probably, I don't know. <laughs> Around the world or something? Yeah, something like that. Uh, it was on Wikipedia. I was looking through the Wikipedia page. <laughs> right, yeah, because it aired in loads of different countries as well, didn't it? Yeah. really popular it's madness and yeah this is why i'm doing this podcast really because everyone seemed to watch it and then we've all just sort of collectively forgotten it yeah exactly i mean it is one of those things that everyone's familiar with but you mention it to anyone and i'll say oh yeah i remember that but no one's actually seen it seen it but i think it's that it's the sort of thing that everyone does want to rewatch. And then you watch it as an an adult and you're like, oh, this is weird. Most 90s kids shows were like that, though. Do you remember Zap? That was tricky as hell. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Everything you can think of from back then. I forgot about Zap. Yeah, that was was the one with the the different kind of boxes and you didn't know what you were going to... Yeah, it was sort of formatted like a a comic, sort of. That's it, yeah. And then the camera would zoom into one of the boxes. There was one that was just hands or something, making things. Yes. I think it was like ma- doing magic or maybe painting or something. <laughs> Let's do a Zap podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rewatching Zap. <laughs> we should do a live and kicking one. Noel's house SMTV. party. SMTV. Oh, never I, I watched something from Noel's house party this morning, weirdly. Because, um, you know, 
uh, Eddie Large died the other day and Noel did like a gotcha with him back in the day. So I watched that where he just sort of surprises him like a sort of prank thing where he's in disguise or something set up and then he like reveals himself and is like gotcha (laughs) self-explanatory really yeah but yeah i looked that up and that had like about 10 million viewers just in the uk Wow. wow madness the days before the internet of course yeah, TV's changed all so much now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I go through phases where I'll just watch hours and hours of 90 shows or just adverts from the 90s. Is that weird? I just love looking at old adverts from when I when I was alive, from like the year that I was born up until the like early noughties. I'm just fascinated by any advert from that era yeah it's weird when you see one of them because you kind of you, you see them so many times when you're younger and then you just forget about them and when when you see it again it brings back all these memories yeah it's really weird so they sing s club party and you'd kind of think the episode might end there but there's another scene at the end where they're all in bed again hannah and rachel are having this sort of whispered conversation because rachel is homesick and missing her boyfriend who gets brought up every now and then but we haven't actually met him i thought those bits were quite sweet because i think they were talking to each other earlier as well and it's sort of them just being nice to each other basically hannah's saying oh it'll be okay yeah they've clearly got a a good connection going they say uh hannah says to rachel we can get through this and they hold hands and obviously you know now with the pandemic and everything really touched home except for i would never touch anyone's (laughs) hands at the moment but other than that it really got to me oh yeah bless and then (laughs) the end of it is we see the boys room and bradley's sort of fidgeting around again and paul is wearing a harness to stop himself from falling out of bed even though we saw earlier that he could just sleep in the fourth bed (laughs) i love how you are over this there's three of them in the room and there's a spare bed above john why doesn't he want to sleep above john he's gonna he's like i'm gonna sleep above bradley even if i have to wear a harness he sticks to his guns and i respect that (laughs) what's wrong with john i feel sorry for him he's probably there like why doesn't paul want to sleep in the bunk above me (laughs) i love that you think that he's actually had that thought (laughs) (laughs) poor john he's only 16 is he really 16 yeah, Only. they're all wow. really young. I think Hannah and Bradley, I heard, were 70. And then the others are like 20, 21, that sort of thing. That's too young. I'm surprised that yeah. they haven't all lost their minds at this age <laughs> from having gained fame at such a young age. They haven't all been Britney Spears. I know, it's it's mad, yeah. I suppose it's a little bit different in the UK, it seems. If they were American, they probably all would be completely off the rails. Yeah. Possibly. So that's the end of the episode, really. So are there any other like thoughts you want to share before we finish on it? <laughs> I mean, no, other than if you were you are or were a fan of S Club Seven, definitely rewatch Miami Seven because and also be drunk at the time because <laughs> it's gonna be one hell of an experience. I'm not gonna say beyond drugs because I don't wanna say that. But you know, have a Don't little want to drink. That. <laughs> and yeah, you will have the adventure of a lifetime. Yeah, it's fun. And I've watched 
I've rewatched all of series one now. And yeah, they, the, the episodes do vary. Like this is quite a mild one. Some of the other episodes are a bit more weird than this. Like there's an episode later on in the series <laughs> where they somehow find themselves in the 70s. Wow. So it's a bit of, there is a bit of a prequel thing going on then. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they see Howard and and Marvin when they're young. And yeah, there's some weird, not cameos because it's not the actual celebrities, but like celebrities are for some reason at this cr- crappy little hotel. Well, I'm going to have to rewatch the whole series, aren't I? No, watch the whole series because I don't think I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. You can come back at some point and let me know. I'm going to come back and I would have probably lost my mind after seeing the whole (laughs) series. I don't know how you've stayed sane. (laughs) Yeah, I've got four series of this to work through. Oh, good luck. So before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything in particular that you want to sort of plug or anything? Um, You can follow me on Twitter at summer, as in the word summer, Ray. And I also do existential crisis art on instagram so it's all very grim art you can follow me there at this is fun art that's kind of it really thank you for listening to this episode of it's an s pod thing it was edited by alex blondek with music by william kitchener if you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one please subscribe and leave us a good review When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.